You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. I read a story about a missionary named John Patton. John Patton was from Scotland, and he was called to go to the New Hebrides Islands in the Pacific. And in that time, the 1800s, the New Hebrides Islands were inhabited by cannibals, a tribal people that in warfare would resort to cannibalism. And when he was getting ready to leave Scotland and go to the New Hebrides Islands, another pastor tried to stop him. And he said, if you go to those islands, you're going to be eaten by cannibals. John Patton said, I'm going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ wherever he leads And whether I'm eaten by cannibals or by worms is up to him. Well, he got there. And on one night, among many nights, his house was surrounded by warriors with weapons and torches. They surrounded the house. They confronted him, told him they didn't want his religion on their islands. Said they were going to kill him. John Patton understood that his life was completely in their hands. I mean, he couldn't fight against them. There there was nothing he could do other than trust God. So he got down on his knees and he said to the Lord in prayer, My life is completely yours. It's in your hands. And whether I'm killed right now or whether you preserve my life, it's all up to you. The warriors were so taken aback by this man kneeling down and praying before their threatening words that they held off attacking him. And then John Patton stood up. He was still alive. So he began to preach the gospel to them and shared Jesus with them. Eventually, the men lowered their weapons, hung their heads, And walked away. God preserved his life. And God actually gave him great victory on those islands. As many became followers of Christ. Now, you may have never experienced something as intimidating as having your house surrounded by cannibals. That's pretty dramatic, right? But, if you follow Jesus faithfully... Eventually, you'll find yourself in an intimidating situation. When you live in a Babylon-like culture, eventually you will feel the pressure of Babylon coming against you. And the question arises, how will we react in those moments? 
How will we react when we are in intimidating situations? Well, we get some guidance from the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 2, so turn there with me. We are continuing our study, line by line, verse by verse. Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. When you found your place, I want to ask you if you're physically able this morning to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says, In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation... You shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand for no Great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. What a story. Let's pray together this morning. Father in heaven, we come to you in Jesus' name. And we are so grateful for this opportunity to gather as a faith family and fix our eyes upon Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. To lift up to you praise and worship. And Lord, now to study your word, knowing that the Spirit of God is working in us to give us understanding. And to give us wherewithal to respond to your word. We love you today. We praise you. We thank you for your presence in this place. And we do continue to pray for Brother Ted this morning. 
Pray for your healing strength in his life. Wisdom for those that are helping him. Watch over him and Rebecca today. Draw near with your peace and with your presence. And we'll thank you for that grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. We've begun a study through the book of Daniel, and we've seen how some young Hebrew men were taken from their homeland in Jerusalem, in Judah, back to Babylon, where they were forced to learn the ways of Babylon so they could become wise men in the service of the Babylonian king. Alistair Begg sums it up like this. The book of Daniel is a record of what happened to God's people in the heart of an empire set up to deny and defy God. The story of the exiles told through the particular stories of four men. We find ourselves looking at these men and how they responded to different types of intimidation. Different contexts, different situations, but the intimidation of Babylon was always there. Now, as you look at the book of Daniel, it divides into two separate parts, really two different genres. The first part of the book, chapters 1 through 6, is about faithfulness when surrounded by ungodliness. The second part of the book, chapters 7 through 12, is about the future, how the future would unfold, and the king of all kings would one day ultimately rule and reign over every other kingdom. But in our story this morning, in Daniel chapter 2, The story begins with the king, Nebuchadnezzar, a powerful, powerful ruler, having disturbing dreams. Do you notice how the text started there in verse 1? It says, he had dreams, his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. These dreams uh, took away his rest and his peace, his His sleep left him. His spirit was troubled. And then he gathers the the wise men of the land. Their job was to advise the king. And these wise men are supposed to have uh, the authority of the supernatural. They're supposed to be able to tap into the supernatural realm... So they can give the king answers to his questions. It says he gathers together magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, people who claim to have special power. And Nebuchadnezzar gets them together and says, If you have these special powers, if you have these special abilities, I want you to tell me the dream I've been having. And then tell me the interpretation of that dream. The wise men say, now wait a minute, king, wait a minute. We are good at interpreting dreams. We can figure out what your dream means, but you got to tell us first. I mean, we can't actually tell you what your dream was. So tell us the dream, and we'll give you an interpretation. Nebuchadnezzar says, no, no, no. No, no, no. If you're so powerful, you should be able to tell me what I dreamed. Now, Nebuchadnezzar's interaction with these purveyors of the supernatural makes me think that he doubted their genuineness. He's he's really thinking, do these guys really have power? Do these guys really have the ability 
to help me out. I mean, if they're really in touch with the supernatural, then they can tell me what my dream was. And so I think that Nebuchadnezzar is a bit skeptical of these different wise men who were in his cabinet. And the story kind of unravels from there. Tell me what my dream was. If we can't do it, king, tell us the dream, we'll give you the interpretation. And so Nebuchadnezzar said, if you don't tell me, you're going to die. And not only are you going to die, you're going to be torn limb from limb. It's going to be violent. It's going to be awful. And they say, king, you're being unreasonable. No king's ever asked his wise men to tell him what he actually dreamed. We, we can't do that. And so Nebuchadnezzar's mood gets worse and worse and worse. There in verse 1 it says, His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. But by the time we get to verse 12, look what the Bible says. Verse 12 says, The king was angry and furious, commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. He was angry. And he commanded execution. Now I've told you the last two weeks that we can identify with Daniel and Hananiah and and Azariah and Mishael, these Hebrew boys, because they lived in Babylon and we are surrounded by a Babylon-like culture opposed to the will and the ways of God. And you and I understand, don't we, that when you follow Jesus in Babylon... It's going to lead to some intimidating situations. This should not surprise us, for Jesus said in John 15, 18 through 21, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, Jesus said, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name. Jesus says, when you follow me, you should not be surprised when you are mistreated. Because Jesus says, they mistreated me. So intimidating situations should not surprise us. But I believe there are some things we can learn as to how we are to face those situations from the example of Daniel and the three other Hebrew boys. So I want to give you three thoughts about how you and I should face intimidation. Truths that you and I ought to remember when we are found in intimidating Circumstances. Number one, remember, God is sovereign, even in Babylon. God is sovereign, even in Babylon. It's interesting to note that this story begins with a dream. The king having a dream. We'll see next week what this dream meant, the interpretation of the dream. But God is basically giving Nebuchadnezzar this dream to help him to understand what was going to come of his kingdom and all the future kingdoms. 
It was God showing his sovereignty over the nation of Babylon. And we see God use dreams and sleeplessness all throughout the word of God as a means to exercise his sovereign will. For example, you remember in Genesis chapter 40, Joseph was sold into slavery by his jealous brothers. He was falsely accused of a crime and thrown into prison. And while Joseph is in prison, he's there with two former servants of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And these two servants have some dreams. And God gives Joseph the ability, the supernatural ability to interpret their dreams, to tell them that these dreams mean something that's going to happen in your life. And just like Joseph said, both of these dreams led to the future Joseph said they were going to have. Well, in Genesis 41, Pharaoh has a dream, just like Nebuchadnezzar. And Pharaoh wants someone to interpret his dream. And he's saying, who can do it? His wise men couldn't do it. The the priests of Egypt couldn't do it. They didn't have that ability. But one of the men who was in prison with Joseph had been released. He's serving Pharaoh again. And he thinks, oh, wait a minute. I know someone that can interpret dreams. So he tells Pharaoh. They quickly bring in Joseph. And Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream. And begins, or is called to be, the, the prime minister of Egypt. Joseph is, 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 is elevated to that point where he is leading the nation of Egypt, which would be the occasion by which he would save his family, save his brothers during a time of famine. So God used dreams in a king's life to elevate his servant, Joseph. Over in Esther chapter 6, the Persian king could not sleep, so he has records of his kingdom read to him. There are some some records that are kept concerning his kingdom. He wants those records read. He wants to think about his achievements. And when those records are read to him, he finds out that a Jew named Mordecai was instrumental in thwarting a plot to assassinate the king. And so the king says, wait a minute, I forgot about that. How can we honor Mordecai? So they bring Mordecai in. They give him great honor. And this humiliated a man named Haman who was an enemy of the Jews. This story of Mordecai being honored over Haman, his enemy, highlighted God's protection for his people and foreshadowed the ultimate triumph of the Jews over their enemies in the Persian Empire. God used dreams to bring this about. In Matthew 27... When Jesus is brought before the Roman governor Pilate, Pilate's wife, if you remember, sends him a message warning him to have nothing to do with Jesus. And she even calls him a righteous man. And she tells Pilate, have nothing to do with him. I suffered much because of him in a dream. And so, this dream, this message given to Pilate was a definitive statement as to the innocence of Christ. And God uses a dream to get this message to Pilate. So it is well attested that God uses dreams and sleeplessness to get the attention of those in power and to accomplish His purposes through those in power, which leads to this reality. This is in your notes. The king of all kings 
exercises his authority and guides human events. Our God is a sovereign God. And there are various titles used in Scripture that speak of God's rule and reign and control. Just the titles God has given. Over in Acts 4, he's called Sovereign Lord. Often throughout the Bible, he's called Most High. In other words, there's none higher than him. He's called Adonai, the term for ruler. He's called Almighty God, that all strength is his. He's called the Lord of hosts. He's over every other host. He's called the King of kings and Lord of lords. The Bible tells us over and over and over and over and over again that our God is sovereign. He's in perfect control of the unfolding events of human history. So we don't have to wring our hands in terror and worry and anxiety when we find ourselves in intimidating situations. Because we can know that God is in control of that moment. It seems like Nebuchadnezzar's flying off the handle here. He's going to have some people killed, including Daniel, because they were under the umbrella of the wise men. Daniel and his friends. And it's a scary situation. But we see in the background God just working out His will through dreams and sleeplessness to get a message to Nebuchadnezzar. And so when we find ourselves in intimidating situations, we should remember that even in Babylon, and we live in a Babylon-like culture opposed to God, we need to remember God is in control. Amen? Secondly, we need to remember that we should pray instead of panic because prayer is powerful. Look what happens in verse 13. The decree goes out, kill all the wise men. He's furious. And the wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Remember, Daniel and his companions were being trained to be wise men. But they weren't in the level yet second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, they weren't at the level yet to be brought in to interpret the dream. They were somewhere else. But because they're under the umbrella of wise men, they are supposed to be executed along with these other sorcerers and magicians and enchanters. And so Daniel, verse 14, replied with prudence and discretion. He was so tactful to Arioch. Arioch was the captain of the king's guard. He was the one that's going to carry out these executions. He declared to Arioch, verse 15, Why is the decree of the king so urgent? Why is he in such a hurry to kill us? That's what Daniel's asking here. And Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. So look what happens in verse 16. Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Daniel says, I know these enchanters and magicians and astrologers have no power. But I believe my God can give me the interpretation and give me the dream itself so I can share it with the king. So look what happens in verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. Now look in verse 18. I love this. 
He told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. And it says in verse 19, Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. Daniel takes charge. And with tact, he says, Let me talk to the king. Let me give it a shot. My God can help. When he knows that this is going to be allowed, that he would go stand before King Nebuchadnezzar, he goes to his three Hebrew friends and says, Boys, we need to pray. We need God's help. If he's going to allow us to know this dream of the kings and give the proper interpretation So Daniel pleads for God's help. But notice in Daniel's life, there's no panic. No panic. Only prayer. And I love how he asked the Hebrew boys to pray. He says, pray for God's mercy. Pray that God would show us mercy and compassion. And that we would have what we need so that we don't have to die. In the face of Great intimidation. There is no panic, only prayer. And through prayer, God gives Daniel the supernatural ability to know the contents and the interpretation of the king's dream. It says there in verse 19, The mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of night. So Daniel asked for God's help. God helps. With supernatural power, God shows him the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel recognizes God's provision. Look what it says in verse 23. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and and might. You have made known to me what we've asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. He recognizes this is an answer to prayer. You know what Daniel is experiencing here? Daniel is experiencing Psalm 50, verse 15. Write that verse reference out beside your notes. Psalm 50, verse 15. And that verse says, The Lord speaking, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. He's he's experiencing that verse. And when you and I find ourselves in intimidating situations in a Babylon-like culture, we can experience that verse too. We can call on the Lord, not panic, call on the Lord and seek the Lord for His deliverance and give Him the glory that He deserves. In other words, and and you know this and you'll amen this, but in other words, listen, there is power in prayer. A.W. Tozer says it like this, Whatever God can do, faith can do. And whatever faith can do, prayer can do when it's offered in faith. An invitation to prayer is therefore an invitation to omnipotence. For prayer engages the omnipotent God and brings Him into our human affairs. I like the way Adrian Rogers says it. Prayer can do anything God can do and God can do anything. So when we find ourselves in intimidating situations, we should go into the presence of a sovereign God 
and ask him for help. Call upon him in the day of trouble. No panic. Only prayer. Prayer can change nations and set new trajectories in human history. This this Thursday is the National Day of Prayer. We're going to open up this room and and people can come throughout the day and just we'll have some resources for you. You can just call out to God on behalf of your nation and ask God to, to move. Because prayer changes nations. And we need to believe that truth. I don't know about you. But I know that I struggle to fathom just how powerful prayer is. Like, I know the theology of it. I know the right answer that you give in Sunday school. Like, I know prayer changes things, and I know prayer is power. I I, I get all that. But I don't know that I truly have my heart and mind wrapped around it to the point where my number one instinct in trouble is to immediately go into the presence of God, believing that He will come to my aid. We need this truth of the reality that God answers prayer to take root in our hearts. And to shape the way that we live. Prayer can do anything God can do. And God can do anything. Which leads to the third reality that we need to remember. When we find ourselves in intimidating situations, remember that God is sovereign even in Babylon. Remember that We should pray instead of panic because prayer is powerful. But third and finally, remember that God will give you the words and wisdom that you need. God will give you the words and the wisdom that you need. Look in verse 24. The Bible says that Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went in and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. And Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste, said thus to him, I found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, the name that was given to him, the, the Babylonian name, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I've seen in its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, I love this, No wise men enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But, I love this, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me. Not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. And in the following passage, starting in verse 31, Daniel recounts the dream and gives his interpretation. We'll talk about that next week. Too much for this week. We'll talk about it next week. But this week I want you to see how wise and poised Daniel's words are before King 
Nebuchadnezzar. He says the right thing in the right way at the right time. Where did he get that wisdom from? Well, look back in verse 20 when he's praying to God, praising God because he answered his prayer. He says in verse 20, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. So he's saying, God, you have all wisdom. Then look at verse 21. It says there, he gives wisdom to the wise. And so he sees God as being a God who has wisdom and dispenses wisdom. But look what he says in verse 23. He says, you have given me wisdom. So the God of all wisdom has given me the wisdom I need to act in an appropriate way in this intimidating situation. He's exercising God's wisdom as he stands before the king. And he had strength, didn't he? He had this inner resolve. Where did strength come from? Well, look in verse 20. It says that to God belong wisdom and might. Look at verse 23. He says, you have given me wisdom and what? Might. You've given me strength. You've given me what I need to do the right thing in this moment. In other words, Daniel was granted the words and the poise he needed to represent God. In a very intimidating situation, under the threat of having his limbs pulled from his body, Daniel leads well. And represents God well. And gives God the glory in this situation. And this is a illustra- an illustration of a New Testament principle. That when you find yourself in an intimidating situation, you don't have to worry. God will give you what you need. In fact, over in Matthew 10, verses 16 through 20, here's what Jesus said to those he was sending out on a a missionary journey. Jesus said, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you'll be dragged before governors and kings for my sake. Sound familiar? Happened to Daniel. Look what he says next. To bear witness before them and the Gentiles. And listen to what Jesus says in verse 19. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Jesus says, if you follow me, if you obey me, You're going to feel the pressure of Babylon. You're going to come into intimidating situations. Maybe on the job. Maybe in your family. Maybe at your school or university. Maybe among your friends or acquaintances. But if you follow Jesus, eventually... There's going to become a trying moment. And the question becomes, will you stay faithful to Jesus in that moment? And you say, Pastor Wade, how do I know that I'll stay faithful? Jesus said, trust him. 
By the power of the Spirit of God, He'll give you the words that you need to represent Him in that moment. Just like we see in Daniel's life, God will give you the words and the wisdom that you need. So trust Him. Trust Him. The Spirit of God. It'll help you to be faithful to Christ. Even when this society is trying to push you off course. God will give you the words and the wisdom that you need. So I wonder, I wonder who needed to hear this this morning. Perhaps there's something going on in your life right now. And because of your allegiance to King Jesus, you feel intimidation. You feel pressure to to conform to the ways of this world. You feel it. You're being stretched. You're being intimidated. You're being threatened. And you needed to be reminded that God's in control. You needed to be reminded that you should not panic, but you should pray. And you needed to be reminded that God will give you what you need in that moment. Trust Him. Ask Him for His help. And maybe you're here and you say, oh, Pastor Wade, smooth sailing for me. I follow Jesus. I'm a Christian. And there's really uh, no hardship in my life. Things are going well. Things are going great. Can I tell you this? If you follow Jesus long enough, and if you follow Jesus faithfully, eventually your allegiance to Christ will come into conflict with the ways of Babylon. Amen? So we need to be ready to be like Daniel in those moments. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's Word. May the Lord richly bless you.